Hello. Hello. I'm Alex. I'm Val. And we are here to talk about season 6B, episode 3, Remember When. Yes, that is the episode we're going to talk about. <laughs> Remember? Um, yeah. There's, I mean, wow. I feel like there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. and there's, That's our catchphrase. There's a lot going on in The Sopranos. <laughs> I believe that the threads that are kind of being presented in this episode are pretty ambitious as well. I feel like the points that are trying to be made at this point of the show kind of went over my head upon many viewings. And actually, Uh it's only kind of now that I feel like I'm even cluing into a side of the intention of the creators that I feel is kind of even existing. Um, It just feels that... There's kind of deeper statements from an episode like this about generations, about aspects of control, about aspects of maybe identity that's passed down from from generation to generation, mm-hmm. from, from father to son. Or these father-type figures, yeah. I think that there's a lot about eras, even as well, about kind of the 1950s, maybe even juniors. Generation coming and more from the like, 1930s. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, the last scene, actually, like that Gene Krupa drum solo um, with Junior just kind of sitting there, like, reminiscing to that time with Polly in his dream, this kind of walking in through the door, tell me what it takes to get something to eat. This this idea of he's saying when I when my time comes will I stand up like this idea of being a stand up person it's even referred to by Tony at other points being like Gary Cooper which is very relevant mm-hmm. because that's what kind of starts off the entire show Tony striving to fit the mold of his dad of Johnny right. Boy this Gary Cooper kind of strong silent type of this 1950s type man mm-hmm. that he's kind of constantly chasing and it feels that Polly in his thoughts is still very much cut from the mold like for me it's like the honeymooners or something like that like walking in through the door like it's reminiscent of that era for Mm -hmm. me and it's kind of a a comment on that and then when that that moves to junior also with that last scene i feel like that's very relevant and then the question is well what is the era that we're in now because this show is kind of this like timepiece of the late 1990s 2000 um period And I feel like the world is really changing. And even like when Tony and uh, Polly are going to this place that they remember where they could get steaks, it's been kind of commercialized. It's been kind of corporatized, I guess. It's it's changed in a way where they can't get their steaks anymore. They have to go across to this kind of chain place together. They can't get together. bottle service. That would be sweet at a hotel <laughs> if you're just like... Yeah, what the fuck is the world coming to? I know. These little mini bars? That's shitty. It's terrible. <laughs> they can't get Glenn Livid in their room. Yeah. It's awful. It's <laughs> but I guess the question is, well, what will Meadow and AJ become? But how does Tony fit into the world that he's in? And mm-hmm. what values does he have? I mean, because he has constantly been striving to be like Polly, but there is this kind of disconnect as well, where he is of his own time. And there is a problem maybe with him actually being able to embody that in the current world with the ways that it it's changed. Yeah. No, it's interesting. Like we get, um, we get a lot, I mean, we get a lot of 
how Tony feels about Polly in this episode. Um, one of them, him saying like he wished, sometimes he wished that Polly was his dad, right? So there is kind of this like confusion for Tony because he clearly really like values Johnny Boy Soprano in this way, but also kind of acknowledges the things that Polly gave to him or did with him or like the role that Polly played in his life. And I don't know if you can like do that. I don't know. Like, I don't know if Tony would, would have been capable of really reminiscing like that before. There is mm. something different. Like he, when he was saying like that, uh, remember when is the lowest form of conversation. Um, ah, I don't know. I don't know. But there, there, for me, there's something there with that, that there's, um, that is definitely a key they've, moment. Like, reached this, like, he's reached this point where, I don't know, it's almost kind mm. of like entering the afterlife in some ways, too. It's like, this is like, I don't know, this is uh, what I have to do. Like, kind of like, again, like, seeing people for who they are before you can kind of like move on. I don't know. Right. Interesting. Well, I think that there is something about the final season that is this like ultimate state of mm -hmm. Tony Soprano of him accepting who he is mm -hmm. and who he is in the world. I, I really I felt that for, for a few mm -hmm. viewings that that's really like the purpose of where the show kind of leads. Um, and but I, it's I also who are these other characters? I mean, like, definitely. You know, yeah. Like Polly in this episode, particularly. That's, but but that's Ju true. Junior yeah. also in this episode and Beansy even. Yeah. I mean, it's a show where I think like we started off the show with Tony as this kind of narrator figure yeah. as this protagonist. And I think that the central examination of character is through him, but the show takes character so seriously that everybody in this ensemble is treated with the same respect where they are developed fully like that. And we kind of examine their motivations and where they started and where they end up. So I think that it does really apply to everyone. But I Except also- Except for maybe Carter. Well, <laughs> Actually, I, I disagree. I mean, I think that it's fascinating to see a character like that. And then that's an example of something that in previous viewings could have just gone totally over my head because yeah. it seems it seems strange to put that into the final season, to introduce a new character out of nowhere. Um, and in terms of the writing, like it seems like he is this kind of caricature. Like there is this kind of like cheap dialogue that just really quickly sets him up like, oh, you went to MIT. It's like, okay, cool. But... There's something more to it that I tend... That I don't know. I've been reflecting on on the more recent viewings where Carter is a character who actually does kind of get flushed out from beginning to end. And it does happen too fast. I, I was like half, it is very I was convenient. Like half joking just because right. of those, those lines of cheap Right. Dialogue. It but, is cheap. <laughs> yeah. But I think that Carter is a device. Totally. Right? And I think that Carter is looking at this aspect of, like I was talking about control also. And I think that that aspect of of control and being in control of your life is something that's really examined in that little side plot and how that reflects on Junior, how that reflects on Tony and Polly and basically everybody else on the ensemble. Because he's somebody who we find out in his backstory, you know, he was, even though it's kind of cheap and it's like this kind of like caricature of a story where like he got a 96 and his dad said, right. where did the other 4% yeah. go? And found out he went to MIT and blah, blah, blah. But he is looking at Junior as somebody who can kind of control the environment that he's in, and that's clearly something that he was lacking Yeah, as a young person, and that's yeah. what he's looking for. And then in the end, when he kind of flips on Junior, it's because Junior has fit the mold. 
So Junior is now taking his medicine. Junior is upset when Carter is throwing this paper, which is something that exhibited control over the others, even though it's pathetic. And even though it's rather meaningless, it was it, it had a lot of meaning for him. And that's why it's so profound, I think, in the end for him as a character. And he kind of completely flips out. And that's interesting because like those elements of power dynamics and control, I think, can kind of make sense of a character like that. And I think there's a lot of examples in this season where things like that happen that seem unbelievable or happen too quick. But at the same time, I think that it's their real purpose is kind of under the surface like that. That narr- narrative element is kind of unimportant of like having this this person there. Um, it's more about what kind of what it reflects in terms of theme. Yeah, totally. And, yeah. Totally. Yeah. I think Carter is for sure one of those characters. Um that gives us this insight into Junior also, like the power that he has kind of over people, like and you know, showing how people are are drawn to him and how he uses people, I guess, who are kind of drawn to him. Um he's a good counterpoint for Junior because he you know, in some ways, like maybe he was he was really helping Junior, right, to like not be on his meds. And we see Junior when he's off his meds, right? right. That he's again this kind of like charming, joke telling guy, right? Right. With these memory issues, and you know, that we see him like obviously like pee his pants and stuff like that because he's not taking his meds. But right. um, you know, we do we see like this real Junior, and what we're left with once he does take his medicine, right, is this like drooling. Right. shell of a person basically right and like you know um like what does he have left there right so, what does he have left is uh, really i mean a... yeah we'll see like sorry we have a cat here <laughs> we're looking after a friend's cat sometimes yeah. it meows at night <laughs> yeah it sees ghosts yeah it happens <laughs> um but junior is an interesting is in an interesting place at the end too because like he even does have these connections where there is an opportunity to get out this like Pat. plan yeah Uncle yeah Pat. yeah this idea of setting up a meeting with a dentist and getting outside and he's it's this kind of combination of being too weary and kind of maybe just kind of too out of it to be able to kind of make use of that but also kind of like he's cognizant enough to know that that would be kind of a fucked up life also right like he's like well where would i live and they were like a right. safe house somewhere i guess it's like <laughs> you know like okay but like what kind of life is that really right yeah and there is this element that like junior may be somewhat happy here at this place that i kind of found myself puzzling over well, while watching kinda, this. I feel like darker about that probably but I mean there's an aspect of it I mean in the end I think it's very bleak and he's left with nothing and he's medicated and he's basically just kind of fading away but before that there is something like when he's like wearing his his, his bathroom uh, his bathroom exactly yeah. <laughs> he's wearing his bathroom which is also something that we see Tony wearing in this episode and throughout the series like it is actually kind of this like commanding presence thing like 
mob boss or like Hugh Hefner kind of type thing. Totally, yeah. Um, this kind of charisma with it. Yeah. But he does kind of command an audience. He is kind of actually still It's kind of like living. the perfect environment for him, really. He's kind of living the life he used to. He's, he's making these games. He's in command of others. And I think that's what draws Carter to him. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I, I completely agree. Like, I think that it completely fades away and it ends up in a very bleak place. Yeah. But there is an element of Junior still has these things that maybe have driven him his entire life, even in this environment that he's in. Yeah. No, it's wild. And it's wild also, like, you know, um, again, like, he's of the same... I mean, like, I guess Polly is a little bit younger than... I mean, then Polly is than definitely junior, younger than obviously, Junior, obviously. Yeah. But, like, then Johnny Boy? That's a good question. I think a little bit. Right? Polly, I think, like, is a little bit younger like the, than Johnny like Boy. He was, like, the hot young uncle, kind of, you know? Yeah. Like, um... Again, I wish I always like want to know thing. Whenever I get like some exact information, I'm always really happy. Like when like they're like, <laughs> he was 22 when he killed Willie Overall. Yes. So I'm like, ah, yes, like a data point. Yes. Okay, <laughs> um, he's 47, so you know. But um, yeah, that's no, good for but, a statistician in you. <laughs> yeah, it, it does. It makes me feel happy. But yeah. yeah, like so, you know. But I do kind of see them of this same kind of generation. I think Tony does too, right? That like. Polly is this kind of like foil for his dad in some ways and like still exhibit some of these traits that were scary to grow up with and mm. you know like that Tony would have picked up on from his dad also so I don't know for me there's there's a tie in there there's also a tie in with Junior too like it's like it's all of them kind of as a unit it's all linked it's they definitely were all, all like linked. these uh, and you know dicky moltisanti right because we were talking about him last episode or the one before yeah he comes up right um you know like these kind of like influential male figures in tony's life and then looking at him like he had all these kind of like mentors and then to look at him and see like well who is he mentoring right who looks up to like who's like He's not a mentor to anybody, right? Like, right. He, he just doesn't have Chris is that. very much out of the picture right now. He is, yeah. But even, like, you know, Tony admitted it himself. Like, he wasn't, he's not good at doing this. Right. Right? Like Dickie Moltisanti was. But anyway, so we see these, like, very important male figures in Tony's life and the differences between them and how that impacted him. Right. So, there is an element, too, of this connection between these different stories that makes this episode particularly complex for mm-hmm. me, that these themes that we're kind of investigating tie into everything. Like, even in the beginning, actually, there was kind of a focus on whites that tied together these different storylines mm-hmm. that was very deliberate and focused on that I felt was kind of tying together Tony and Polly and Junior right at the beginning yeah. of the episode. Like, Tony walks down wearing this all-white bathrobe, we have a very profound focus on polished white shoes. Yeah. He has all these white shoes that he's choosing between. And then almost immediately after, there's a focus on the whites of the orderlies. Yeah, and it kind of skips yeah. from those images. And there is kind of this connection that happens between them. And also a connection between these themes and how they relate to the different characters mm-hmm. and the different generations. Which makes things very complicated. <laughs> Yeah, it is complicated. I mean, the thing I think that's so, again, like, you know, what's the purpose of this episode? Um, the other person that we do get insight into is, you know, well, I've already mentioned him, but 
um, like who Tony is as a person when he's on the boat with Polly. Right. And yeah, that's pretty deep. You know, and we kind of like even like the way this episode is framed. So like we have to, like the first scene of this episode is him Tony waking up, right? We that's usually how we see him when he's waking up from a dream, right? Mm. So like I feel like the episode mm. kind of starts before the episode starts, and that Tony has had some kind of interesting because he goes to the bathroom, he looks in the mirror. Right. We have this imagery that we're really familiar with, mm. um, and then even that you know that scene on the boat like we've seen him like look threatening before but then nothing happens right but we've also seen him kill pussy right we even have flashbacks to that in this episode right so we're like oh man like are the writers just kind of faking us out like he's not gonna do it right like they all they overplay it they like have you know tony's point of view looking at the axe and the knife Hmm. Uh, on on the boat right but we're like you know but then we see like this is actually like he's set up this up to scare polly well it's interesting because this is an example of a scene that seems a little bit confusing um upon like the first viewings and like just overdone like why would tony be contemplating killing polly he hasn't Mm. done anything but i think it has to do with the dream Mm, interesting Right. But I think that there's... That we don't see. Right. And I think also the thing that is really occurring here is that it relates to this thing that we've been talking about in other recent episodes of Tony becoming this Machiavellian kind of master of manipulating people around him and Mm -hmm. using his intuition that he's honed over the course of the series to kind of get what he wants and to kind of now fuck with people. Like there is this kind of nefarious aspect of him doing what he's doing. He clearly knows that that um, Polly told the joke about Shitty Sack. And we get that early on in the car ride that they have, that he's kind of been able to figure that out through intuition. And then he kind of weaponizes that against Polly, yeah. and he makes him extremely uncomfortable. But it's getting to a point where Tony has used that in the past as a kind of weapon to get what he wants and to kind of move forward. And the intention is becoming less clear now. And one has to kind of ask why he's even doing this, which is why the scene can kind of come across as rather confusing and out of nowhere. But I think that that's part of it. Like, why is Tony even doing this anymore? Like, there is this element of just kind of being an asshole. Yeah. (laughs) Just being a fucking asshole. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think that's the thing that strikes me about it is it's like it doesn't really serve a purpose. Like, right. Like, Johnny Sack is dead, you yeah. know, like uh, that conflict is long gone and over. Um, but yeah, to like bring to like bring it up like that again, right? Um, Tony's just looking like I don't I don't know. I don't know. He's and looking, Tony, he's looking for someone to hurt. Yeah, and there's enough actions on the boat that link it to other murders throughout the series that it does come across as overly deliberate on his part. I mean, obviously, the obvious one is with Pussy, um, which Polly was actually there for. So there's Mm -hmm. a very obvious connection to that. But even when Tony says, you want a drink, like linking that to season two and the Matthew Bevilacqua murder, Mm -hmm. like there's something there too that kind of like, triggers us connecting this to another time where mm-hmm. Tony has actually whacked mm-hmm. someone. Of course, this is all framed within the 
the kind of scope of an episode where we're talking about the first time Tony killed someone. Right. We actually have a flashback to that. We also have a flashback to Pussy. There's two flashbacks in this episode, which is um, kind Mm, of a standard. Rare, yeah. Yeah, that doesn't really happen in this show. And we know that they use flashbacks very sparingly, even in an episode called Remember When, right? right? Where we're like doing all this reflecting on past times that they only give us two flashbacks. Those are important. Right. It's yeah. more than we normally get. Yeah. What do you like? So, what, you know, like, what are you thinking after seeing this episode? Is Tony's relationship to his first kill, Willie Overalls, to Pussy, right? To all these people that he's killed in his life? Like, That's a good question. Because there's other, I mean, we had last, not last episode, um, two episodes ago, or no, yeah, two episodes ago, Bobby who's a lot older, right, than 22, right, than Tony was when he had his first kill, having making his first kill as well. Right. Right? So, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, how is Tony different than other characters? Well, that definitely sets does. it up that Bobby was making, was was just killing somebody for the first time at this age and mm-hmm. setting that up against Tony, who was in his young 20s, who's been doing it basically his whole life, who we've seen participate in murder at, at different times. It's definitely more a part of who he is. It's definitely more kind of integral to his character, I think. So I think that's mm-hmm. that's. But why is he like you know like beyond like okay? Why did the writers write this episode? Right, that the FBI is digging up this body of Tony's first kill. Right. Well, I mean, I think it does kind of. Like, what does it reveal to us about Tony? Yeah. I mean, it does kind of frame the entire episode, like I was saying, and it does like provide a good kind of backdrop to examine these mm-hmm, issues mm-hmm. it's also just i mean perhaps just it's uh, it's a tool to have those two characters in this other place right and it also i mean polly talks about um how he's made this trip thousands of times in the 60s with johnny so there is this kind of connection between what they're going through and how things have gone right. in their family throughout right. the years and how polly was a part of that and how tony's dad was a part of that and it does create this opportunity to then reflect on those times while they're in the same situation. Right, that makes sense. No, I, that feels good to me. Um, and then there, there are these reflections. Like, there's this story about Tony's dad giving a hundred to the cop, and yeah. then Tony reflecting on it and then giving a hundred dollar tip on the table, right? And this kind of connection to his dad and maybe trying to emulate that or connect himself to the legacy of Johnny Boy Soprano. Yeah. Um, there's also Polly talking about the only time I saw your dad cry was right. for Tony. I was going to bring that Which up. is really yeah. interesting because that also relates to something we've been talking about of this crying thing. Characters crying. So yep. Johnny Sack, Phil Leotardo, thinking about the moments where they cry and what it reveals about them. Well, now we know that Tony's dad, the only time that he's been seen crying relates to tony himself so there is this kind of connection between them this moment of weakness and in their mm. view maybe this idea of like a lack of control even mm-hmm. um because these characters right. are so tightly controlled at all times and yet johnny boy was not yeah at that point it is it is really interesting and i think that it is i mean it is this kind of like road trip trope that they find themselves in mm-hmm. but it does kind of provide this opportunity for reflection and I think that's what this episode is about Mm -hmm. 
I mean, yeah, I mean, the title, Remember When, that key moment where Tony says, Remember When is the lowest form of conversation. There is a lot just kind of examining that. Well, what is that? What do you think that means? Like, what are what are other forms of conversation even? But like, like why why is that the lowest form of conversation for Tony? Well, it's something that's been looked at before, for one. Like, when he was reflecting on it with Christopher, with the Vipers, mm-hmm. right? it does kind of die throughout the course of the episode. They have this experience and then it kind of fades away and it's exciting at first and then they Mm -hmm. kind of sadly bring up the exact same stories and that's all Mm -hmm. it's really capable of is just a simple reflection, right? And there's nothing really more to it. And I think that it doesn't really get into the meat too of, of, of actually reflecting on what it means. Um, how these people acted, how it impacted you, what these, how these times reflected your, yeah. you know, how, how they impacted your character or even just examining deeper issues that, I mean, maybe yeah. could impact these characters. But it's, is Tony, like, is Tony basically saying like he's done examining the past, like, or done exa- trying to examine himself and how... No, not necessarily. Know. I mean, I think Remember When doesn't actually do that. I think Remember When isn't examining anything, really. It's just, right. like, a simple recollection. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's interesting, too, in, in the context of this show, because I feel like this show is so underneath the surface. There is this story about a mob, and it's exciting, and it's exceptionally well done, but the intent of the creator's... To me, it just seems like there's so much more to it, and it's always underneath the surface. And the like, remember when takeaway of the show of just kind of like reflecting on moments also kind of misses the point of the the broader themes that they're trying to examine right. and the broader kind of statements that they're making on humanity and culture and America. I mean, there's just there's so much going on that there's kind of this there's this dismissal of that kind of simple reflection. Mm. I don't know. It's, mm. it's an interesting thing to, mm-hmm. to think about. Um, yeah, I, I think there's, there's, there's a lot. I mean, yeah. So this idea of Tony reflecting on Polly as fucking Gary Cooper or yeah. Gary fucking Cooper, I think yeah. is very relevant. I think that's a pretty key line. Um, obviously tying into episode one but also tying into tony's kind of quest to become a certain type of person how Polly would have impacted that throughout his life and his connection to tony's dad um is apparent like he really kind of represents a certain generation and a certain group of people that were kind of role models to Tony. Totally. So it really does show the impact that that Polly's have. I mean, they talk about the love that they have for each other, and I think it is real. There's something kind of profound there. Yeah, but at the same time, I think, and Tony even says that when he's talking to Beansy, right? Like, he's just waiting. He's constantly waiting for the other shoe Shoe to drop. And he says things are going well, finally. Things are going well. But he's waiting for the other shoe to drop. But, like, you know, he's looking at everyone more suspiciously, right? We had him looking at Christopher suspiciously when we had the story of Cleaver, Mm -hmm. you know, was looking like maybe Christopher had something against Tony. Right. Um... We have him looking, you know, looking to Polly here. Like, he's just wait. Like, it could be anyone. It could be anything. And he's just waiting for that kind of that to happen. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. And we see him, like, standing on the balcony after that. Like, after yeah. he's out to dinner. 
and um, then he hears like he hears Polly. That's what kind of like calls his attention to Polly, right? He like hears Polly's laugh, and watching TV too as he's reflecting on the water at night too. Yeah, there's actually that's a really interesting scene too because I feel like the the episode has started off in such a in such a way that accentuates lights that accentuates whites and mm-hmm. brightness and day mm-hmm. and it ends off in that point like he finds out that he's okay right mm-hmm. and yet he walks out at this moment of darkness and night and he's going and he's looking over the balcony and he's reflecting on the water and the wind and the and the nature like these things that we've just associated so heavily with in this show with the afterlife and these eternal questions and it's interesting that he's like at a time of night like that the completion of that journey goes from day to night but as he's looking out on the balcony looking at nature there is definitely a contrast of that to Polly being completely engaged with the tv and laughing with it and bothering tony mm-hmm. through that because there is well, this it's like simple yeah right and i think that also ties into these elements that we're talking about of of the kind of base layer of things and reading things under the surface. And I think Tony is a complex character who is looking for things underneath the surface and is asking these kind of existential questions. And I think that we're going to explore that more pretty soon in this Mm -hmm. season as he fully, I think, kind of comes to, kind of realizes what he is. Yeah. And kind of realizes what his existence means. Yeah. Is where this is kind of leading, I think. Um, but there's there's also multiple scenes where that's happening in terms of the uh, symbols and the and the imagery. Also, on Tony, when he's on the phone at a key moment where they say, Syl says that they ID'd the guy, there's this heavy wind through the trees. There's a lot of focus on water. And, you know, we can remember that going back to season two, that's like the last shot that we're even left with. These flashbacks to Pussy being killed. Um Sopranos home movies and the, and the I mean it's like mm-hmm. countless but even like recently in Sopranos home movies Bobby and Tony on the on the water reflecting on the dock but you didn't get to talk about it when we talked about it Fredo getting killed yeah. in Godfather <laughs> 2 <laughs> it's deep there's a lot there's a yeah. lot of uh, water yeah. symbolism <laughs> um, there is uh, just yeah just this aspect of of reflecting is kind of permeating the entire episode. I mean, obviously the titles tend to kind of give us a clue as to what one of the main topics is of any of any given episode. But in the car with Tony and uh, Polly, we have this this aspect of yeah, just kind of remembering how this has been done so many times, bringing up the Ginny joke, bringing up. Th- stories that we've actually experienced that we have seen on the show and we're kind of like hearkening back to them. So there is this element of we've already seen a lot of things that are now being brought back, which is something that we've commented on in the show before. And I think people were critical of when it was coming out of we've been down this road before we've seen this, but I think it's also kind of intentional because there is this kind of cyclic kind of nature of Mm -hmm. what's going on between everybody. Absolutely. Um, we also have Tony kind of falling into gambling, um, taking out a pretty large loan from Hesh, which is just kind of like an interesting thing that's happening mm-hmm. on the side. Um, just kind of, yeah, like a 
something to take note of like Tony feeling like he's on top of the world but also then maybe losing control by engaging in things yeah, that I, I don't take get him what that, that would be for the bridge line. well he keeps I think he's saying like how he keeps on he kept on losing oh. on all on all these things right so, like bet on the wrong team or whatever yeah so interesting something to keep in mind too because like that's an aspect of Tony maybe like losing control and I think that also right. we'll see that getting examined in this season but it's just like a small little plot point but it's yeah. interesting to see well it kind of like you know Carmela says like this is what it's still like at our age like or does it right. have to be still like this at our age um, and that's the thing he's just like he's in these same patterns that we've all seen before yeah right like again like it's I don't know why, you know, as viewers, you can possibly continue to really have hope for him because right. he just he's showing you who he is all the time. We just like it's funny. We put that on people. Right. We like we feel like everyone in the world has a capacity for change. And so we like it's this like redemptive kind of like hero story that I think we're all looking for all the time. And, right. and the show's like, no. Yeah, totally. We're not going to get that's not the story that we're telling here. Right. Um, because it's not so black and white like that. Like you're the mm -hmm. good guy or the bad guy or you're whatever. Anyways, or in some ways maybe it is. I yeah. mean, it's it's complicated because like in some ways I think that Tony and these people they're complicated. There are many aspects of who they are as people, but there's also kind of an undeniable. I don't want to use the word evil because that is too simplistic. But there mm -hmm. is like an undeniable lack of goodness. And sure. That kind of yeah is unavoidable with yeah. the characters that cannot be overcome yeah so yeah it's a it's a great episode and there is a lot happening i was saying as we were finishing it it's the kind of episode i would love to actually like watch again before reflecting on it but that's not our format our format that's is how we do we watch the show and then we start talking about it immediately <laughs> but when it's <laughs> dealing with these i feel like kind of complex themes that are a little bit more abstract and not quite as quite as obvious in terms of how everything is being presented it is it is difficult mm -hmm. i um i really like junior's letter to dick cheney it's a great letter it's a really great letter maybe he'll hear back i don't think so but it's a good person for him to contact um, yeah. I also really like that it's this like dog therapy day at the home and Junior has this nice cat. <laughs> yeah, that seems fun. Cat therapy. Cat therapy is a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. And we are so close to the end. So it's thank really... You. That's also our catchphrase now. We are so close to the end. Yeah. There's a lot going on. Yeah. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, well, those are, that's it. That's. See you next time. See you next time. Bye.